Welcome to the Active Day Trader Podcast. Trading made so simple, it will change the way you approach the markets. Now, your host, Jonathan Rose. Hey guys, before we start the podcast, Patrick, my guest, has some things to say about risk. Hey guys, this is Patrick Zielbauer. Before we get into the chat with Jonathan and I, I wanted to briefly talk about risk. This is something we didn't cover that much during the discussion. It's important from a compliance and risk perspective that we do. So a couple things we wanna mention. The first thing is when you reduce your margin requirements through the use of spreads or any other mechanism and you're taking positions in the futures market, you are mathematically increasing your leverage. You're taking a position worth a large amount of money with a relatively small amount of money, and therefore you are using leverage. And when you decrease that requirement, you mathematically do increase your leverage and therefore your risk. So leverage is a double-edged sword. It cuts both ways. It's something that's really important for every trader to understand who's gonna be employing any type of leverage that's my job to discuss with you. I'm registered with the NFA. I'm an NFA member. So if you want to chat about it, feel free to have that discussion with me. Secondly, with respect to spread trading, it's important to note that spread trading does not always result in one leg of the spread winning and the other losing. It is possible, and there have been situations in the past where someone has lost on both legs of a spread. So it's really common in the interest rate markets for these things to move in tandem, but it is possible that they don't through anomalous events or geopolitical events. It can affect commodity spreads through weather or agricultural events. So it's really important to maintain discipline and your defensive posture when it comes to trading. Don't make a general assumption that one leg will always win and the other will always lose. Again, if you want to talk specifics or have a discussion with me about uh, the risks of using spreads in a futures account, certainly something I'm happy to uh, discuss with you. Enjoy. All right. So welcome, everybody. This is, uh, this is Jonathan. This is going to be our fifth podcast, podcast 005. And today I'm joined with a, with a very good friend and also uh, someone who handles many of the accounts of my client base. And it's uh, Patrick Zielbauer from Infinity Futures. Hey, Jonathan. Thank you. Appreciate that very much. Yeah. Excited to, uh, excited to have you. So, so Patrick and I, we probably met what do you think? We probably like actually talked on the phone like six months ago, but before that, um, because my trading style, so I trade a lot using relative value, which is using relationships to trade. Nothing is ever cheap by itself. Nothing's ever expensive by itself. It can only be cheap or expensive relative to something else. And very few firms, especially for the retail trader, offer something that's called exchange guaranteed margin. And Infinity Futures offers that. So that's why a lot of my clients were finding their way over to Patrick. And then Patrick and I started talking and it's kind of a no brainer for us to really hook up. So, you know, Patrick, if you can go through maybe how Infinity works and what exchange guaranteed margin is and the benefits. And I think people will realize in short time, it's a big, big disadvantage not having that av available and a big advantage having that available. Absolutely, yeah, thank you, Jonathan. So, Infinity Futures, just to give you a quick, you know, quick background, has been around since 1995, and I've been registered with Infinity for about 13 years, since 2004, it was the first firm that I worked for graduate uh, when I was in school, and basically just never left. And I like to mention that because in this industry, which as you know is 
a pretty tumultuous one, you know, over the, the last decade or so, uh, you don't find a lot of firms who are who offer a boutique style service like we do uh, that are around anymore. Uh, the regulatory environment, as you know, has gotten very difficult and uh, it's pushed a lot of the firms who we used to compete with basically out of business. And it's left us competing with some of these bigger companies that don't offer the same flexibility. And that's how this sort of leads into your discussion about spread margin or exchange recognized spread. So basically what happens for a spread trader who's trading with infinity is if a customer holds a position into the close at the end of the day and that position is considered an exchange recognized spread, then our system automatically hunts down the lowest possible margin requirement as, a, as listed as acceptable by the exchange. And what that basically means is that the client doesn't have to do anything special to get the lowest price. And where that matters is when somebody is holding two positions, let's say in two different markets, the one that is always obvious, I know we've talked about it numerous times, is the bond and the ultra bond contract traded on CME, where if you margin those positions differently, separately rather, you have a margin requirement close to $10,000. But if you use the exchange recognized spread margin, that same position margin is only about $1,500. So That's insane. We, <laughs> it's not even close. It's not. So if, if we would not make a big deal about it, if it were close, if it were, if the margin here were, you know, 6,300 and the margin at the other company was 7,400, you know, we wouldn't be blasting this out to everybody all the time, but it's, it's so far off and that it just becomes a question of efficient use of capital. I mean, your broker wants you to tie up five times as much money and that's, that's money you can't use to do something else. You can't deploy your own capital to do what you want to do. And, you know, we think that it's kind of silly. And so, you know, the, the, uh, this type of trading has become a lot more prevalent among our client base, uh, you know, what you're teaching and, you know, uh, people are looking at energies and they're looking at uh, indexes and they're looking at all sorts of relative value style trades. It's becoming a bigger issue for a lot of people who are trading with firms who, really at the end of the day treat futures like a side project and our position is that if you're going to do something as risky as this type of trading that you should really consider you know using a firm who specializes and these are the these are the, the, the types of situations where we think that really matters yeah no I started active day trader in the beginning of 2016 or end of 2015 and I just noticed a void in the market for what I thought was kind of real education and throughout my career before that, I've been trading futures since 1997. And every single stop throughout my career has been some kind of relative value trade. You know, even when it's an outright type trade, you're still looking at something relative to something else because that's always out there to possibly hedge. So when I started Active Day Trader, I was, I was naive because once I started teaching people how to trade bond futures properly, I just assumed that everywhere you would go, you would get that exchange guaranteed margin. Is that span? Is that, is that what that's referred to? Span margin, right. Yeah. Okay. So basically, yes. Yeah. So the FCM or the Futures Commission Merchant, in other words, the, the firm who's authorized to hold customer funds, in our case, has the ability to sort of reach into the exchange at the end of the day and automatically pull out whatever the CME deems the, the lowest margin to be. So that can change from day to day. It doesn't change usually that much from one day to the next, but 
if there is a geopolitical event, you know, it's affecting the market a lot, right. currencies, or, you know, if it's an agricultural product and there's a weather-related event or something, you can see those margins change dramatically from day to day, but, uh, but our system always provides the lowest margin requirement. But from a trader, just talking from a trader standpoint, guys, and I wouldn't think about the margin changing. It doesn't change enough. I mean, right, if, if all of a sudden the 30-year the goes from you know, 3% to 5%, there's going to be a pretty significant difference or a huge, huge jump in volatility. But overall, for just coming from the trading side, you can't really control that. That's just, it is what it is. Right. I mean, pe people are generally not making trading decisions based on these usually relatively minute different changes in margin. It's, it's just the margin is what it is. You know what it is. Um, if there is a dramatic move in the market that is affecting the positions you're in, you're probably going to have the wherewithal to, you know, at least investigate, you know, what the margin is going to look like or, or how it'll, how it'll shake out over the next couple of days. But we typically don't see people making massive adjustments to their positions just because, you know, one market is getting a little bit more volatile than it was yesterday. Okay. This is, so I want to walk through just that example, which was ZB against UB. And so what that is, it's the 30 year future against the ultra future. And what those really are, the 30 year futures, it's really closer to like an 18 year bond. If you look at, you know, really what's under the hood and then the ultra is going to be closer to like a 30 year. So all you're doing is instead of just guessing or speculating on the 30 year future going up or going down, you're trading the relative difference, the relationship between 18 years and 30 years. So they're obviously correlated, right? It's not like they can just move in completely opposite directions for two years. I mean, that would be really, really wacky. So that's, at least in my opinion, I'd rather trade the difference between those two than kind of speculating whether, whether one side's going up or one side's going down. But the other difference, if you're using a firm, and most firms, by the way, retail traders, don't offer this exchange guaranteed margin. And if I had ZB1 against one UB with another firm, $5,000 for the ZB, $5,000 for the UB, it's 10 grand, rather than have, you know, 1500 or 1700 give or take 10% or 12%. I'll hedge myself a little bit there, but right. That's a significant yeah. difference. I mean, so, so Patrick, even as an outright trader and I don't want you to think this gaming the system, tell me if it is, if I was holding too long ZB, I would want to sell one UB just to get my margin down and to help hedge that position. So you can be long that two ZB and instead of waiting for that ZB to go up, if the UB all of a sudden rallies, hey, you could sell one UB or sell two UB. It's a great trade. You're ripping your margin down. It's going to give you a lot more flexibility. And at least in my opinion, it's a much more high probability trade trading the relationship. Yeah, in, in, in my opinion, of course, that is a relatively underused strategy. And certainly the knowledge that someone could significantly reduce their margin requirement by you know, a factor of four, let's say, cut it into a quarter, simply by adding a two-lot you know, short ultra bond position or something like you're describing near the end of the day, it's just, it, we just don't see it enough. And it's certainly something, that's certainly a technique somebody could use. And 
our system would automatically take that into account when it comes to calculating the, the customer's margin requirement for that night. So if somebody were long to bond futures outright, meaning they had no opposing position, they were just long two bonds, uh, the margin requirement on the trade is in the neighborhood of eight to $9,000, give or take. Uh, but as soon as they sell two ultra bonds against that, now that margin requirement is closer to you know, $3,000. And that's for a two lot spread, not a one lot spread. So uh, that, that, is a, that is a way that a customer could significantly reduce their margin requirement and be able to hang on to the position instead of being uh, asked or, or, or forced to exit a trade because of margin reasons at the end of the day. Right. So I mean, coming from the professional side and, and managing, I was managing risk for a lot of traders, we would see it often. And it's, it's a good approach and because traders are allocated a certain number of risk, you know, a certain number of risks, certain number of contracts, a certain number, a certain amount of margin. So people who do this for a living are constantly thinking of ways that they can reduce risk, that they can stay in their, their positions. And it's not really gamesmanship. It is a really, really good, it's a sophisticated play. It needs to be learned. But one of the things that I really realized, the most benefit that I could add to, to retail traders, not only in futures, but in options as well, is just letting you know what's really available to you and, and to be able to reduce the margin by you know, 75%. To me, it seems like an absolute no-brainer. So Patrick, you, do you guys share spam calculators with, with clients? Is that something that people could use on their own to figure out their own margin? You, you, you can't, uh, a, a retail customer doesn't have access to the spam calculator. In fact, I, I actually don't have access to it personally. Um, it, 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 oh, that's on your risk? Right. It's, it's exactly. It's access at the risk level. Now, the CME has done, in in my opinion, a a pretty poor, poor job of educating customers as to how they can reduce their margin through the use of spreads. But I will give them this: is that they are they have created a uh, a system online. I believe it's called CME Core. It's a free resource. Uh, I believe somebody could go on the website on CME's website and sign up for it. They're trying to make this more accessible to people. So you could go in, for example, and punch in your hypothetical trades and push a button and see what the margin would be. And it's accurate. I've tested it myself numerous times. So this, is, this, is, this information has not been readily made available to people until recently. And the CME is really trying to get that information out there. And we're, you know, we're, we are trying to also get that information out there. And that is, that is a mechanism a customer could use to go in and, okay, I have you know three long bonds on, I'm short two ultra bonds, I have a two year, I have two five years, and you know, I'm long one crude oil and short one you know, heating oil, <laughs> hypothetically speaking. And you just push the button and it'll spin for a second and then it spits out a number. And that number is what the margin requirement would actually be. So it's, uh, it's, it's becoming more readily available to, to uh, retail customers. And so it's something we could send a link out if you'd like. So, so Patrick, this is probably a little bit of a personal question, but if every one of your clients was able to figure out their own margin, how much time would that save you every single day of your life? Oh man, that would save me a bun, a bundle. Um, I have, it's, it is a battle I have constantly fought is educating people and getting this information to people in, in the proper way. And again, the fact that it can change from time to time, although as we discussed, not usually small, right? 
Yeah. yeah, the fact that changes are there. I mean, people want to be, they want to know what their risk is. They want to know what their obligations are, and, and I don't blame them. So, you know, when I get a when I get a phone call or email or something asking for, you know, what's the margin on this or what's what's the margin on that, I actually respect that customer for having, you know, the taking the time to, to really evaluate their risk profile instead of just ignoring it. So it's, it's it, it, despite the fact that it, it creates, you know, some, some manual work on our side, it also indicates to us that our customer is concerned and aware of their risk profile and, and cares. So we actually appreciate it. No, that's, that's, that's very cool. So as, as, sorry, I, earlier you, you said we'll, we'll leave, a, leave a link. So guys, what we're going to do, what I always do with the, with the podcast is go over to activedaytrader.com, click on the podcast, and you'll be able to see like the show notes. And we're going to put in any links that we talk about during the episode. So I've already written down. We'll, I'll put that link for the CME core. Um, Patrick, I'm actually going to look and see if they put the math on the span, for the span calculator on the CME because that seems like a really easy just kind of Excel kind of spreadsheet to whip together. So I'm going to play around with that. Who knows if, what I figure out, but we'll do that. And then, if, Patrick, if, if you wouldn't, wouldn't mind – Maybe doing a little spreadsheet, just putting the, the with the difference of spread margins between, you know, those who offer that exchange guaranteed spreads versus those who don't. I think that would be, you know, a great spreadsheet for people to look at that they can see and be like, they, you know, wow, I had no idea. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I'll definitely do that. That there, the ZBUB example that we gave, that is that is one example that I think is very telling because of how dramatic the difference is. But it gets even crazier when you get into other types of trades that involve multiple contracts, especially in the index futures. And there's one, there's one example. I'm not sure exactly of the, the the exact dollar amount, but one good example you may have run across yourself is people who trade the S&P against the Dow. And I think the ratio that the CME accepts for their spread is something like six Dow to five E mini S and P's. And could you imagine? I mean, if you margin all 11 of those contracts separately, the margin requirement is over $50,000, but the actual margin on that position is more like $10,000. So it's just, it's just so far off from, you know, what is required that it, it needs to be highlighted. And, and we have, you know, data to show these things. So we'll, we'll put together something that shows the differences between you know, what the margin would be if they were, if the positions were all margined outright versus what they would be based on the exchange recognized spread margin that we provide. Definitely. No, that, that'd be great. I think it'll be really valuable. Yeah. I'd also like to everybody take a step back. You know, put your common sense hat on. Using Patrick's example, the difference in margining between 5S&P to 6 Dow as a spread versus just doing those outright, the Merck is looking at those as being 80% less risky. They're, it, to me, they're telling you what to do, what to trade. I think so. I mean, it, I guess I just come from a different school that's all relative value, but I have a tough time, you know, taking the kind of, kind of risk of just a binary outcome of something going up or something going down. But again, even if you're doing that for like an outright S&P trader or outright Dow, having the flexibility that you don't have to sell S&P to get out of S&P, you can sell Dow. You can sell NASDAQ, you can sell Russell, you can sell whatever you feel is the most expensive relative to your trade. And if anything, I mean, my personal feelings is I think it's kind of a sucker's play just to 
get in the S&P and get out of the S&P, there's so much more available that you can have so much more flexibility. And each time you, you learn these different things, you know, it, it, it gives you an extra kind of feather in your cap. Personal opinion, of course. Right. No, I, I agree. And, you know, you know I, I keep thinking about the, the example you gave in one of the presentations from a while ago, a while ago about relative value and, and in the context of real estate. Remember the yeah. you know, New York or Chicago versus Wisconsin? I mean, that's a good, that, that is a good example of, you know, putting relative value in terms that anybody can get. And, right. Uh, especially, so, I think it's especially relevant with discussion of the indexes because people, even people who are novice investors or traders are pretty well aware of how wacky the relationship between the index futures can be, especially the NASDAQ lately, the Russell. It's, uh, there, there, are, there are certainly uh, places where you could argue, you know, one of them is dramatically overvalued or undervalued. Sure. And they're completely different indexes as well, right? Russell, we're dealing with small caps. NASDAQ, we're dealing with tech stocks. Dow, you're only looking at 30 companies. So it's un I think people just, it would really benefit them to understand more of what, what they're trading. 10-year future contracts. It's a seven-year bond. It's not, a, it's not, it's not really a 10-year. So what, what Patrick was referencing was uh, we were on a presentation together. I'd like to explain a little bit, too, of why Patrick and I work so closely together. But we were on a presentation, and I was talking about relative value, and the example was, buying a house or an apartment in New York versus buying an apartment in, uh, I live in Chicago, you know, north, northern woods of Wisconsin. If they're both 3,000 square foot, foot, which one's, you know, a better, better value, which is more expensive, even if they're the exact same. You can never look at them compared to each other or in isolation. Obviously, the one in New York, you have to look in comps in New York, look at what else is sold around there. Look at the price per square foot and then go to the North Woods of Wisconsin and you, you do the same exercise out there, but you can't look at anything in isolation. Now, we've been talking about lately the new iPhone. Is the new iPhone expensive? I don't know. I mean, probably, right? It's expensive to what the other iPhones were. But it can't, if it just came out and was the first one, you can't really, you don't really know if it's expensive or, or inexpensive. It's only expensive or inexpensive relative to something else, relative to the previous version, relative to what Verizon puts out, relative to whatever bells and whistles that, that you're looking for. Um, I personally think that everything we do, everything we buy, we do so using some kind of relative value, but yet, People mostly, especially in the in the retail world, which I'm learning more and more about, don't look at things relative to just something else. And you know, it, it's something where I think a lot of people can improve. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, it's it's not just the interest rates, as you said. It's the indexes. It's the energies. It's the agricultural products. And uh, we're certainly seeing a lot more people, you know, inquire about about this type of analysis. So yeah, probably could you. But, well, I'm also seeing a lot more of a. Uh, a lot more people going out and teaching this stuff. And, you know, I'll, I'll throw this out there as well. You know, a lot of people are teaching it now because there's many in the online education space that are trying to teach what they see others having success with. But this is not something you can learn in books or just watching videos. This is something that you really need to learn. So I, we just had a, I was telling Patrick before we jumped on, I was lucky enough, Jim Kramer 
reached out to me randomly, came across my content and asked to be on the podcast. So the first thing I did was I had to create a podcast. So I just had uh, Jim Cramer on, on the last podcast. And one of our conversations was what he thinks about the retail education space going forward just with all these people in there. And he made an excellent point that it's all about educating the, the end user. So the people out there, you know, you, you got to keep your head up. You, you got you to gotta learn. You can't be suckered into these promises of, of quick riches. Uh, you know, again, at least in my opinion, the only way to be successful is through education. And part of education is learning something like exchange guaranteed margin, learning that you can be out, you can be long S&P futures, and you don't have to cover with S&P futures. You can click to cover with something else and work yourself into a spread, get that margin down, still keep yourself in position, you know, for your, for your trade to, to work by time while reducing risk. You know, a lot of cool stuff out there. Just keep learning. That's probably a good question. You know, Patrick, I'm not sure how much you can really go into this, but, you know, again, you, you started with Infinity in, in 04. And I know you deal with some of the uh, retail educators. You know, can you, can you talk a little bit about, about what you've seen or maybe how you've seen the industry change over the last 13 years? What, uh, you know, so Patrick, when you first got into the industry, did, did it even exist? Or, I mean, it's, obviously it's much bigger now, but just touch on how it's changed, what you've seen, you know, what you've heard from your clients too. So basically, you know, a lot has changed in the, in the education space, there's no doubt. I mean, when I first got started at Infinity, 2004, we would get phone calls, you know, hey, Patrick, uh, I read about your company in the index of this commodity trading option book. You know, I saw somebody's name in there from your firm. I, I want to buy some soybean calls. How do I get started? So where do I send my check? It was, it was a, obviously very, very old school and very different. And as, as technology has evolved, the education space has evolved and social media and everything. And I, I think that the, the main reason why we have found that the education space is so cyclical, meaning people search for these very specific topics for a short period of time and, and then it doesn't work. So then they look for something else and then that doesn't work and, and so on, is that a lot of the software vendors and companies that sort of rose through, through popularity over the last 10 years or so have sort of pushed the idea into retail traders' minds. And again, this is, this is my opinion, but it comes after seen a lot of people come and go. You know, That's a great point. No, keep going. I, I, I didn't think of it. I, I agree. Now that you're saying that. What's happening is, is, is a lot of retail customers have been sort of taught that what they were lacking was, was a, a piece of technology or some hidden data point in this chart or that study or something like that. And, it, and it, what, what it's created is created this cyclical behavior where people buy something and it doesn't work out because they were never really taught anything. They're just buying some tool and then, you know, it fails them or they fail themselves because they can't follow the rules or whatever because that part of their psyche has never been developed and then they buy the next one and then they buy the next one and then they buy the next one and you, it's really hard to get out of this cycle because two or three cycles in, I mean, you've already spent a lot of money. You've probably lost money trading. It's, it's very, very difficult to pull yourself out from that. So I think that the education space has one thing, one problem that has ar arisen in it is that people have been hyper-focused on these very, very complex and, you know, 
complicated pieces of technology where uh, that, that, that lead the client to thinking that the answer is not between their ears. The answer is some magic algorithm that only this one guy has got and he's selling it to you for 95 bucks a month. Right. You know, you know, it's just, we just don't think that that's, that's true. So I think that um, what we're looking for in partners, as you know, and we're, we're quite selective in terms of who we work with uh, compared to a lot of our competitors who will let anybody in the door, so to speak, and get in front of their clients is we're looking for people who are actually going to teach and train people. So we don't mind if one of our educating partners wants to sell a class or sell a study on the chart or something like that, but we don't want them to only sell the study. We want them to sell the study if they want to and be there for the client and be in the trading room, you know, five hours a day or be in the, in, you know, be accessible via phone or email or, or something that indicates that there, there's actually education taking place. It's not just some quick fix. So that, that, you know, that, that's really what we're looking for when it comes to partners because we want our clients to stick around, you know, that's, that, that benefits us. Uh, as much as it does the client. So that's, uh, to me, that's a major problem that still exists in, in the education space. And um, I think that people are finally wisening up a little bit. Um, you know, they're, they're finally, a lot of people who've been around with us for a long time are really, you know, they, they see these new things that come out. We get phone calls, they're laughing. People are laughing on the phone. Hey, did you see that new thing that came out? I mean, they know that, you know, that, that, that this is not the answer. So we're there. I think, I think people are finally getting sick of that a little bit. So no, that's, uh, that's when I good. when I got into into this side of of the business, and you know, I'm always straightforward. My, my my expertise is in is in bond futures, relative value futures, and options trading. Uh, being a market maker, so those are the only things that I teach. But I remember going out to the Las Vegas Money Show in the first uh, 2016, and I wasn't presenting, but I didn't really know anybody in the industry, and and the, this guy who's had a newsletter for like 15 years was, was talking, talking to me, you know, t telling me all the secrets and telling me, you know, he was telling me that I have to present on the cloud. That's the, the, the Ichimoku cloud. And, and maybe, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but I didn't know anything about this thing. It really throughout my career, I've never heard of it. And he said, that's, that's the hot thing. That's what everybody's buying right now. You have to present on the cloud. And I remember thinking like, that's everything that I want to change. That's everything that I want to get away from. So I don't mean to, I'm not picking on the cloud. I'm just telling you that was an example that this person told me that in order to succeed in the business, you have to kind of jump around and, and you know, so I've made it kind of a policy and I'm open with my clients about that, that it doesn't work unless you understand it. And so even if someone's talking about an indicator, great you better understand exactly what that indicator is because I promise you the market will evolve. The market's going to be different in six months and 18 months and 24 months. And unless you have the ability to allow your indicator to grow and to improve along with the market, even if it works now, it's the market will change. And right. so I think that's, that's, that's really important. You know, I'll also throw out there that I don't, the only uh, brokerage firms that I've really worked with is Infinity Futures. And I've worked with you guys because it's no brainer benefit for my, for my students. And so that was also the reason that I wanted to, to not only send people towards Infinity, I wanted to, to meet Patrick and get to know Patrick. And now all my bond future spreads, I share directly with Patrick. He puts them right up on, on Sierra charts. Um, 
I remember here's a here's a here's a great example about our relationship, which was a huge benefit to my community. I look at the whole metals complex using a very very basic ratio set indicator, and all it is it's just gold divided by silver. That's it. It's just gold divided by silver. But in many platforms, you have to write a little bit of basic code in order to have the uh, the the chart. Uh, show the, the, the study in, in a presentable way. So I told Patrick, I said, a lot of, a lot of my students use this. You want, can you put it together in Sierra charts? He did, sent it out to all of his, all of his clients, you know, no, no charge, and it, w- it was a great benefit. It's, just, it's a really cool, practical way of looking at the, the relation, the relative value of gold and silver, which by the way, is probably the longest correlated relationship, and it stayed inside a range of 15 to 85 for the last 100 years. And right now it's trading at 82 at the high end. But something like that, I mean, that's, that's very, very cool. And the same thing, I imagine gold, silver is another uh, spread that gets that span relief. Oh, yes. Yeah, there, there are margin benefits that involve the entire metals complex, uh, including gold, silver. Uh, we do less in it, but also platinum. But um, but that's uh, that's a, those the, the metals are are also a very large part of our business and and I remember when you were talking about that video and and talking about that uh, that, that spread strategy or that uh, ratio strategy and that was uh, going back to what you mentioned about us working together and 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 why you chose us and I think that that is we like to make our our our, our referral sources so to speak look good I mean we want we want that's how we have grown our business over you know the the last several years and so. If you have a customer, a student who is, you know, looking for a good home and looking for a place to trade and so on, and and you send him over to us, and and then he comes back to you three months later and it's like, wow, man, Patrick picked up the phone in the first ring and he made this chart for me and I couldn't figure it out and he remoted into my computer and helped me and that's good. That makes us look good. It makes you look good and everybody. It's all. It's a win for everybody. So yeah, I'm, uh, that's, you know, that's what we're after. I'm transparent with 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 you and my guys. When people ask me for futures. And uh, where do they go? I immediately copy Patrick, and Patrick's also helped me. Even today, I got a bunch of questions on, on margin. And I don't know margin. I, I, just, I just don't. It's not my wheelhouse. The first thing I did said, hope you don't mind. Let me, let me just connect you with Patrick. He'll answer all your questions about that because, hey, let, let, let's all stay in our lanes. I'd like to talk about trading. I'll leave all the margin conversation for, for the experts, and, and Patrick's the expert. So. Also, along with the show notes, I'll leave Patrick's contact information. Um, he's, he's like me, a very, very quick return. I'm, I'm guessing throughout the day, you're, you're walking around and staring at your phone all day like I am because you return emails like I do. I don't have to look at my phone that much because I'm always at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, actually, you know, I, you know we, uh, it's a global market. And it's funny, only about 60% of our clients are in the U.S. We have a lot of clients in Europe. We have a ton of really in Australia and Singapore. Yeah. Wow. So that's an, that's a, I know it's a weird stat. I, I, I did not actually realize that someone in our, in our management relayed that to me some time ago. I don't know how that, that statistic is a little old, but we have, um, we have a very, very, very global client base. And, you know, when I get up in the morning, you mean, you know, I'm up here a lot of times I'm at my desk very, very early. I mean, it's, it's a, it's that time of day, you know, between 5am and 7am is really the only time we can call you know Singapore for example because it's getting late there so 
um, it's it's we have a client we have a client base all over the world, which means that when we're not at our desk, we're you know we are we're getting emails and we're fielding you know we have a twenty four hour support desk and we're fielding calls and it's, it's just part of the business. I mean, you have to be you have to be willing to deal with that. It doesn't mean you have to be on your phone twenty four seven, of course, but but we're we're at it for a large part of the day. There's no doubt. So, what would you say would be the top three countries outside of the U.S. and are they tra are they trading the U U.S. markets or are they trading a lot of Eurex? Right, so that's a good question. So I'd say that we have a, well, we have a lot of clients in the U.K. and most of our customers in the United Kingdom come from a, uh, they do something there called spread betting. Sure. So spread spread betting, or otherwise, sometimes people call it CFDs, which are not allowed here in the states. But it's like binary options for futures. Kind of, yeah, and it's like it's kind of like trading futures, but not really on an exchange. You're trading against your broker. You know, broker, broker is a dealer, kind of like a forex account. So okay. there's like a casino element there, which is you know arguably unsavory, so to speak. And a lot of people who trade in the UK have bad experiences with local providers to the point where they're they're willing to go open an account in the United States and wire money across the pond and actually trade here, even though it's less expensive for them to transfer money to their broker in the UK. And there are some tax benefits for UK people. If they make money with a spread betting firm, they, there are some income tax benefits for them to keep to do that. So despite that, they're still opening up an account, accounts here. And what that tells us is that the platforms and the pricing is so bad that people can't put up with it. So UK is a big one for us. Uh, we have a lot of customers in Australia and a lot of customers in Singapore. I would say those are probably the the, the next two. And mm -hmm. our UK clients, us, Australian clients, and our Singaporean clients, a lot of them trade Eurex. So we do a lot of DAX. We do a lot of the mini DAX since it was released. And we actually do a pretty good amount of the German interest rates, the, the Bund. Yeah, the Bund bobble and shots. Right. Mostly the Bund, but you know the others a little bit as well. And then another kind of unsung hero that that we do a fair amount of is the Dow, the Dow Jones Euro Stock 50. Stock 50 uh, really? on Eurex. It's you know, it trades a million contracts on a good day, just like the E-mini S&P. It trades usually a little less than the E-mini S&P does, but we do a fair amount of business there as well. Um, and also a lot of our clients who are overseas like to trade the yen. They like to trade gold. A lot of them have been trading crude at night because, you know, you know you'll wake up in the morning and see, you know, crude is already up or down a percent and a half. So it's, uh, there, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. And, and uh, a lot of these guys just trade the E-mini S&P as well. I mean, there's enough liquidity in that market to trade it at night, you know, in most circumstances without, you know, without serious order book related problems where things are just too thin. There are some markets where, you know, really trading at night is ill-advised and at least in my eyes, you know, things like silver, um, you know, heating oil. I mean, you want to be careful if you're going to trade very illiquid products. You shouldn't trade them. There's no reason, but right. The, the bonds are fine, but don't trade illiquid future markets. <laughs> it's, it's funny because volatility is li liquidity is this weird weird uh, uh, term in in trading. It's it's like it's like sometimes I'll get a phone call from someone saying, "Patrick, okay, I want the most volatile and most liquid market you got. What is it?" <laughs> I'm thinking you can't have both of those things. You know, I mean, liquidity is usually has a positive connotation to it, and there's a lot of good reasons for that. But also, though, some of the one of the reasons why some of the markets are so attractive to a lot of active traders is because they are illiquid that creates the movement that a lot of these people are looking for for better or worse. So it's funny because liquidity has got this weird, you know, this weird connotation that's always positive, but sometimes, you know, sometimes markets that are very, very, very deep. Like if we have a customer who's trading, you know, outright, 
you know, two-year note futures contract, he's never going to get filled on anything, you know, because he's behind 5,000 bids or offers. So it's uh, it's a weird thing, but but we do have clients who like to trade those other uh, those other relatively illiquid products. But the vast majority of our business is in the indexes, uh, in crude oil and the interest rates. I would say, uh, but 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 much but much more so in the interest rates lately. I mean, ever since the interest rate conversation began, you know, a few well not began a few years ago, but really intensified a few years ago. Um, it's become a larger and larger part of our business, and we've been doing a lot more in it. And uh, that's why I think that. A lot of our clients, when they see something like what you're doing, they, they don't. It doesn't feel that foreign to them it, because they've already been looking at these outrights on their own. So the idea that they can be trading them in spreads is not necessarily as big of a jump as we may have, you know, as it may have been without that interest rate conversation happening in the news every day. Right. And by the way, for for bonds, you don't even have. I mean, even if you're not doing them in spreads, you absolutely and this is not Patrick, this is me saying this, you absolutely need to analyze the yield curve. You need to need to trade the most expensive or the least expensive if you're going to get long or short. Don't look at anything in isolation. So we had that bond firm. It was from 03 to 2011. That's when the Fed moved last. And after that, we stopped. Right now, the Fed's moving. As Patrick's saying, that's why volume's picking up. That's why interest is picking up. It's a really, really good trade. But like anything, it, it does need to be learned. And you can even just, I'm like shaking my head, Patrick, even, even listening when people are asking for liquidity and, and volatile products because right. the first thing people think about spread trading is, eh, too boring, not for me. It does, those things don't move. And you ask my bond students if they move, they move plenty. They move. They, 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 move. they move plenty. They need to yeah. learn. You know and, and a lot of people, the a tough thing with me is, especially my coaching client, Patrick, I tell them three months, you got a paper trade for three months. I'm not taking on any clients who want to come in and just start swinging around because in a week and a half, they're going to be all grumpy and they're going to be argumentative and they're not going to understand why they just lost money. So be humble, be patient. I'm not going to be able to learn Patrick's job in three days. You guys aren't going to be able to learn to trade in three days either. It takes time. Right. Dude, I appreciate your time, time so much. We can, you know, could let you go. I have one more thing that I, I want to I add. Just to remind everybody, go over to Active Day Trader. Go in the podcast. This is going to be 005. We're going to put some goodies up there for you guys to check out. I'm going to put that CME core link. Patrick's going to get me a spreadsheet talking about some of the different margin benefits. We'll have Patrick's email up there, and then we'll do uh, another another cool freebie that will uh, add some benefit to you guys for sure. So, guys, just to be clear, I want to touch on what Patrick said. He probably said it like 10 minutes ago now, but I went through a vetting process to be approved to present through Infinity Futures. And what that process was was they tore apart my entire website, every single page, like and literally every single page they printed out. And it was like you were in school and your, your teacher gives you back a writing assignment. And it was one of these teachers who wanted to mark up every single word. But, you know, they were very, very diligent about just making sure that, that we're sharing a similar message or that my message is being approved. No guarantees, no false promises, no nonsense. You know, nobody's going to be a trillionaire in three days. It's going to take time. So that was another yeah. thing when, 
you guys pointed out that you're pretty careful about the partners that you use. So for everyone out there, that's what it took to get approved. So I'm, I'm grateful I did. I think we have a real beneficial relationship for, for us, but most importantly for our clientele. Yeah, I, I, that is, I mean, that is, to, uh, when we look for a partner, we, we are, there are telltale signs about whether or not we think this is going to be a good fit. And if we go to someone's website, and the first thing we see is a, is a guy trading off of a laptop in his private jet or on an island somewhere in front of a Rolls Royce. It's like probably not going to happen, <laughs> you know. So we we uh, we do go through a pretty ri uh, rigorous compliance process. We have to. We should. Um, more firms should do it the way that, that we do it. But um, you know, I'll be honest. It turns some people off. I mean, some some of the partners that we may have worked with in the past didn't like the fact that we, you know maybe we were affecting their message a little bit too much, and they were worried they weren't going to be able to get as many you know sales if if they if we made them take down this thing on the front page that said, you know, 95% return or something like that. We, it says we're not involved. We're not interested. We won't get involved. So it's, uh, we appreciate when someone is willing to, you know, to work with us on that. And obviously you were, and, and, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's indicative of, you know, the, the, the way the business is being run and we can sort of see that now we've been at this for, for some time. So, you know, it's, uh, it, it, Jonathan, you're not exaggerating. I mean, it is the betting, betting process is, uh, is a proper a proper way to say it for sure. No, and even more so, you guys should post those names because a web a website that not willing to take take that off. I mean, just like you, I want to protect my clients. Protection first, let's make money second. But I've heard too many of these stories like you said earlier about people buying things, no return policy, they buy it again, no return policy, nonsense, nonsense. So hey, just everyone protect yourself. Education is the most important thing. Um, Patrick, this was, this was awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. No, it's great. I appreciate the opportunity and it's a, it's a very relevant topic and, you know, people have questions or are interested in learning more about this style of trading or how it can be done at a firm like infinity or, or the risks or so with respect to margin, with respect to uh, trading platforms, futures in general, anybody has questions about these types of things, obviously feel free to contact us. We'd be happy to have a discussion with you. Uh, we'll talk very objectively about risk, so you know, don't be afraid to have a candid conversation with, with us. And whether you are uh, a self-directed trader, maybe you're a, a stock trader or novice, or maybe someone who's traded options, or is already trading futures with a firm who doesn't you know, provide the benefits we do, certainly we'd, we'd be happy to have a discussion with you about uh, how we might fit in the picture and, and help you. So Jonathan, really appreciate the, the invite and the time. It's really great, and uh, thank you again, and I wish you the best of luck with, with the podcast. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. I, I appreciate all your help. One, one quick thing, because I do get this question um, from some of my clients and I tell them it's so freaking easy. Can people just get a demo account? Right. So, of course. So if somebody wants to try this out, let's say you just want to kick the platform around a little bit with some live data in the charting and see if it's a match for you. Uh, then just contact us. We'll set up a trial. It's good for 30 days. Costs nothing. You don't have to give us your money or credit card or for any personal info. Uh, we'll set it up for you. You practice on it. And if you get a, a warm, fuzzy feeling throughout the 30-day period and you feel like this is something you want to tackle, then uh, you'll open up an account and fund it. Our minimum is 3000 bucks, so it's really easy to, to get started. It um, doesn't mean you have to you know, start trading live right away. Uh, you can take as much time as you need. And once you have a funded account here, we'll give you access to a more permanent practice environment as well. So uh, you can keep uh, hammering on the simulated side until you feel comfortable. So certainly, uh, certainly the trial 
is a nice way to get to know us as a company, get to know the style of trading, and see if it's a match. Yeah, that's that seems like a, a no-brainer, even for somebody thinking that it's not for them. Hey, right. nope, no harm, no foul. Go and try, go and play, play around with it. So, all right, my man, it was uh, great talking to you. I'll put all those links on the website, and uh, this was this was uh, this was fantastic. I appreciate it, Jonathan. Thank you. Thanks again. You've been listening to the Active Day Trader Podcast with Jonathan Rose. Trading made so simple, it will change the way you approach the markets. Tune in again next time.